dog over here. All right, so I uh, want to get into a couple of things this this uh, this episode. This is episode eleven, and uh, really want to talk about just something very very specific and kind of get a few things. You know, just just a few things out there. Talk about some observations I heard. I had a really, really, really good time, uh, and I want to talk about that with Old South Hunt and Retriever Club and uh, some folks. I spoke about them on my podcast last time, but I had a chance to meet them. Beth and Rob White, uh, the ones that I spoke about that had the uh, labs that I really liked out at the uh, at the pheasant shoot, and. You know, I, I got a chance to go out and see a pro trainer, Sean Sims, and see how he operates. You know, and just really, really get a lot of crucial information. So I want to just ask you guys to keep continuing to support my podcast, continue and support, uh, you know, learning and getting getting out there and really just doing as much as I can to add to the community. You know, I don't know a whole lot, but I'm learning and I'm learning from some good people and I've got a lot of good people in in the circle. So, you know, with all that being said, I want to talk about on this episode 11, the idea of uh, community and especially in the gundog world, because first and foremost, I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't. Um, and I damn sure didn't grow up hunting over dogs. That was a foreign concept. And I think to a lot of people, it still is kind of a foreign concept. So I want to be sure that I I find myself in a community of people that know what they're doing and have similar interests. Ruger, what are you doing? So, yeah, I want to find myself in that community and what ended up happening was I found myself in two 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 uh really experienced uh communities full of groups of people that was Black Wolf Hunting Club which it's not really as much about dogs but my buddy Eric he has a Chesapeake Bay Retriever and he kind of got me exposed to it Ruger move 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 Thank you, sir. You ain't got to be up under me like that, man. I'm trying to record a podcast, brother. Anywho, that dog is extremely clingy. So, the other community that I just had the pleasure of meeting is Old South Hunt and Retriever Club. And we went to a transition seminar yesterday that really, really, really opened up my eyes to quite a few things as far as, you know, the type of training and even offering some clarity as to, you know, what's possible with a hunt and retriever club. I mean, it was, I knew it was something that I wanted to be a part of, but the magnitude in which these guys operate is, is just crazy. It's unimaginable. Um, some of the things that they went over just real quick was three-handed casting, uh, shoot work and force to pile, uh, specializing on the center line, a single T, double tree, double T drill, marking drills, wagon wheel, pattern blinds, uh, 
uh, square field blind drills, swish drills, time, you know, time was pretty much at our, uh, at our disposal. It was a good day. I don't think anybody felt rushed and it was, it was just really, really good to be out there among a community of people that are doing the same thing as, as I am and experiencing the same things that I am. What was also cool was the fact that so many trainers had so much good advice. Everybody was extremely welcoming. So I need to shout out Old South for that. And I got new buddies, man. Like I got like a, like Rob and Beth, uh, who I'm also itching to get on my podcast too, because both have very valid perspectives. Uh, you know, as far as the gun dog world, especially with Labradors. What I really, really like about those two, but also just the whole community of itself, it's everybody has more majority of people have labs. Uh, Saturday when I was out there, it was it was a boykin out there, which was interesting. I'd never really seen a boykin in action. Uh, and most everybody else had labs. And a few of them looked like Ruger. A few of them looked a little different. Dark features, all all kinds of stuff. Um, I found out what a Dudley lab is. A lab with, you know, a, a, a red nose, more or less. Uh, you know, some doing doing some information, doing some research on that. And just, you know, just different little things as far as knowledge go. Um, most everybody was really cool with Ruger. Um, thank God I don't have a hopeless dog. And I appreciate not having a hopeless dog. It's crazy. But what I also noticed was Ruger's got a big motor on him. And by that, I mean, like, he is very, very energetic. But that wasn't an uncommon thing out there. And when you see the distance, the distances that these dogs are, you know, asked to work and do this and do that with, you understand why you got a motor. I mean, I... I I tell people all the time, I pretty much got a Formula One car for a dog. And I appreciate that. But I also appreciate the other handlers and the other trainers being as open and receptive as they were to teaching me and showing me different things. And I thought that I was making some progress progress with Ruger. And though I have, you know, and I appreciate everything that we do, it's time to get back to the drawing board. It really, really, really is. Um, you know, one thing that I want to work Ruger up towards, and we were doing so, was transitioning that force to pile into a T-drill. But you know what? If, if I were to be honest with myself, I could do a lot more, you know, close work, yard work, and things like that to get my dog even more polished. One thing that I noticed about these guys was the fact that there, there's so much emphasis on the small details, the small details, all of these, you know, actions and all of these drills, they all link to themselves. So before I go and before any trainer goes to do to put your dog out there on a single T drill. Well, are you doing the close work? You know, are, are you 
really, really involved with the things that you can do in between, you know, five and 10 and 15 yards, you know, of distance between you and your dog. Three-handed casting, that was something that seemed, though the the T-drill and double T-drill was cool and it looked great, I can see how that three-handed casting uh, is the is the the center to all of these drills. And if your dog is breaking down with with the close work, what do you think is going to happen when you send your dog out to go 100, 200 something yards? You know, but also the thing about being in the community just going back, you got a community of guys that are that either have dealt with what you're doing or are currently dealing with what you're doing. I didn't feel like I was out of place. You know, I didn't feel like, oh man, you know, I, I my dogs are never gonna be this or never gonna be that, or I'm dealing with a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing. No, it it wasn't like that. It was very, very, very uh, specific and very humbling. Also, the aspect of community as far as playing, playing into how your dog responds to that. You know, you can train all day, all day, all day by yourself. You can do this, do that every day, day in, day out, five days a week, uh, you know, a couple of sessions, you know, or not a couple of sessions, maybe one or two sessions per day. And your dog still won't be proofed. I thought Ruger was oh so good. And, you know, he's a great dog. He's super obedient. Um, still got the drive and the spunk for hunting. But when I get out and get him around other dogs, he loses his shit. That dog is not proofed. My dog, and I mean, to my personal critique, my dog ain't proof. Now, was he, was he sitting, was he compliant, was he kind of chilling out? Yeah, it took me too long, though. You know, it it definitely took, took him a bit of time to get adjusted, but the good thing about it is, you know, Old South Hunt Retriever Club, the the guys that are a part of that understand that. They see where I'm coming from. They also were very, very, very sure to make it known that their dog was in the same place too. Or currently is in the same place. But you can all you can never you can never proof your dog too much um what i also just really liked about what sean sims the pro dog trainer what he was talking about and how you know it was great to hear what he was talking about but he carried himself in a way that that was very cool honestly he matched the energy of the dog the dog matched his energy and it was very relaxed it was not a whole lot of pressure. I think as trainers, we forget that. Like, these dogs are going to perform. They will perform. Keep your expectations high. And they are going to perform. 
and you know I'm always reminded and I was reminded today a dog is going to show you how to make yourself humble because you are going to make mistakes and it's less likely that that dog is going to uh, make the same mistakes that you're doing. What I was impressed with is the fact that in this hunt and retriever club, these guys are stressing control, stressing foundational work. And there's this ain't a race, man. This is not a race. You know, Beth called it. This is a marathon. And you would have thought as much as I was praising her, uh, you know, on the last episode, you would have thought she had a, you know, grandmaster, you know, champion dog. But no, she didn't. But what she has is the drive and the will to work as a team. So that's also how I kind of tie in into community. You know, your community with your dog, just you and your dog, that that is probably the most important level of, of community that you're going to have in this whole thing. What I, you know, what I can't stress enough is learn the dog's tendencies. Learn the dog's tendencies. If you don't know them, then y'all aren't going to get along. One thing I can say about Ruger, I know what he's capable of and what he's not capable of. And that, you know, the not capable of part is the list that's far smaller than what this dog is capable of. But you got to, got to, got to work with him and you got to work on a timeline. So what am I going to do as a trainer? I'm going to scale back some. And before I, and that's not to say that I'm going to permanently scale back for a while. I want to take my training and scale back on some of the, the little things, the nuances. The things that I should have been doing in the yard, but I got too happy about trying to get him to do all the fancy stuff. It's all good to see your dog do a 70, 80, 100 yard retrieve. But if he's sloppy with it, then what's the point? Sean Sims had them dogs on it. And I'm I'm of the belief that you can have a hunting dog and have a, a hunt test field trial dog too. Now, the requirements are totally different. I hear a lot of people talk about... Uh, Oh, well, their dog knows whether or not they're in a field, a, a hunt test or whether they're out actually hunting. I believe that. But the skills that your dog learns in a hunt test and throughout that training directly translate over to the field. You know, I was talking to another buddy that I met out there. Um, and he made it a point to stress like, yo. You can't you 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 can't lose by having a dog that's performing at a high level like that in the woods in the field, and I don't think so. You know, it Ruger has surprised me so much, and has really really shown me what it's like to trust somebody 
in a way that is authentically and totally blind and literally blind. Ruger, what are you doing, dog? Come here. You know, as young as he is, it's still amazing how much more perceptive and sure of himself than I am as a trainer. And that's important. In the sureness of, of, of being a trainer, being a dog handler, that comes with time and experience. That comes when you know you did the yard work. That comes when you know you got around your uh, retriever club and your dog is steady and not losing his shit around all the other dogs and all the other stimulations. So I I just can't wait till the next time I get back out there to train with them. They already invited me uh, to a few more training sessions up in Kennesaw, and I'm definitely going to be there. You know, as I say, I have found my home. I have found my home, my friend. Like that. And you gotta, gotta respect it. So often do I hear this big division in the testing world. Stop, Ruger. Stop eating leaves. So often do I hear this thing about the testing world being different from the hunting world. And though that may be true, I can definitely understand the distances. I mean, I'm curious to get my dog out there and get this motor ran. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I am, where I'm at now. Also, I, I learned about this thing called uh, EIC, Exercise Induced Collapse. And it's something that I want to, just as a sidebar, just a medical thing, a genetic, uh, essentially a genetic defect. And, you know, that Labradors can get and a few other breeds can get. But I want to make sure... You know, I share the same information as what was shared with me because I'm definitely thinking about breeding my dog. But, guys, go to University of Minnesota and look up uh, EIC in dogs. Stop, Ruger. You know, look up EIC in dogs and be sure that that's not something that your dog has and if it is there is a way of I think breeding around it um, but I guess I, sh I should explain what it is so looking up online it says EIC is both a general term for what happens when animals collapse during or after extreme exercise and a disease seen in very fit Labrador retrievers for the purposes of this article, it's the latter condition we'll tackle. EIC was first identified in the 1990s, but since then, it's been seen increasingly in Labrador Retrievers because littermates and other related dogs were found to be similar affected. Veterinarians came to understand the hereditary nature of the condition. It's since become clear that the exact source of genetic problem involves a mutation in a gene involved in the communication between nerves of the central nervous system. In EIC, dogs will collapse after 5 to 10 minutes of high drive trigger activities such as chasing a ball or hunting. Uh, 
though a large majority of these cases recover completely within a short time frame, less than 30 minutes, some dogs have been known to die of the condition. Okay. There's a lot more that goes with it. Um, it's interesting. I would. I don't want to guess and say that my dog don't have EIC, but I definitely want to get it tested in addition to uh, getting his OFAs and uh, all kinds of other stuff for breeding. But guys, just get it done. Get, the, get these tests done. We have to work on bettering the breed. And I know, you know, I'm sold on a lab. I'm always going to have a lab. I don't give a damn what else I have. I'm always going to have one. And it's, it's now my job if I'm going to make that commitment to, again, going back to community. If I'm going to continue investing in the community of Labrador Retrievers, in the community, I'm sorry, of hunting Labrador Retrievers, then I need to be uh, fully invested in the well-being of the breed. And so I want to do that. Now, I understand it's, it's likely that you can, I think, breed around it, basically, but you don't want to breed two affected dogs with the same gene. It, there's a whole technicality in it, and uh, I want to do some more research and find out. And, of course, I'll let you know my, my listeners and my viewers and those interested parties know. But it's definitely something that needs to be considered. Get your dog tested. Get them tested. You know, now, if you're not planning on breeding them, just watch out because, I mean, I wouldn't want my dog to fall out and collapse. Um, you know, I run my dog in the heat, uh, you know, a little too long one time and he started to get a little wobbly, but I, I think that was more based on, again, heat. I've never seen my dog fall out and we hunted up in Kansas and did a whole hell of a lot of it. Uh, so my best guess is that it's not an issue with mine, but I don't like guessing. Uh, so yeah, and guys, my dog is getting older. Like his head is starting to look like less like puppy dog. It's kind of cool. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we need to be mindful of. If we as a community are going to better the breed and we need as a community need to make sure we get our dogs tested. This, this is further proving my point and in, in, in terms of this is bigger than me. This is, this ain't about your ego. You know, if you're going to breed the dog, at least do it right. And, you know, I was listening to another podcast on, uh, I think it was, let me see. Hold on. Was it Orvis or Project Upland? Hold on. Let me double check, guys, real quick. I think it was. Let me see, was it Orvis? Yeah, it was the recent episode of uh, the Orvis Hunting and Shooting Podcast, Hunting with Spaniels with Jerry Caccio. And Jerry Caccio made a very, very good point in saying, like, we here in America, we're we're doing t- things too fast. We want We always want bigger, faster, better, so on and so forth. And I think that's true. We need to slow down a little bit. And stop breeding in qualities of our dogs that are going to be long-term undesirable. Think about what you're doing. He was he was mentioning that in, in conjunction of people over in 
Britain and how they breed their spaniels and what's worth it and what's not. I don't ever want to quit on a dog, but my opinion is I don't really have time to invest in a dog that doesn't want to hunt. Been there, done that, got a t-shirt for it one time before, and I said I'll never do it again. Wasn't a bird dog. It was a it was it was a different type of dog, but uh, it was when I thought I was interested in running coon dogs. I uh, didn't know very much, and that dog had a hell of a nose, but zero drive. So hopefully, I don't offend anybody. But if I do, well, you know, sorry, but I don't have time to invest myself into a dog that doesn't want to hunt but some of those traits show up later too so it's a it's a weird weird give and take um it's 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 definitely a weird 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 give and take so yeah what i was also impressed with man like at the seminar Watching dogs, you know, complete pattern blinds, get them to move over, uh, you know, left and right, backing really, really well, and taking these long retrieves. Man, I mean, the world is in front of us, man. The world is in front of us, and all it is, it takes time. Time, patience, and dedication to your dog. I don't care what breed it is. Now, this next... uh this next pup that I get, oh, it's definitely gonna be a lab. I solidified it, and I don't even, I don't even know how bad I want a pointing lab because I haven't quite mastered just the regular flushing lab that we all know and love. And you know, I'm interested in all of these things, but again, have I? I, I just have to ask myself. You know, have I have I mastered what it is that I'm doing as a trainer now? You know, in, in a few years and I have another pup, I want to be able to say that I maxed out Ruger as, as much as I could to the knowledge base that I was provided. And so the next dog got to be bigger and better. So I don't I don't I don't think I've maxed out. I, I mean, not I don't think I know I haven't maxed out what it is that I can do for the flush and breed Labrador retrievers. Uh, I ain't quite got there yet, but this old knucklehead down here gone, gone has definitely made me proud time and time again. As crazy as he is, stop, Ruby. I don't want you eating my socks. I got it in my hand. Uh, as crazy as he is, what I can't do is deny his intellect and deny his talent. So all it is at this point in time is is really committing myself to doing it. It's like AAU basketball for dog training. And hell, this hunting season is about to be over. I don't want it to end, but next year, next season, really, you know, I want to be recording podcasts telling you guys how solid we are as opposed to, you know, what it's like now. That is my dog's tail hitting a bag. Ruger, get down. 
Hello, sir. How are you, Chief? You want to say hey? Record a podcast? So, yeah. This big old baby here. But, yeah, man. Uh, so, what we also... What I also want to work on with Ruger, like I said, is is that center line. Really polishing up that center line. And once we do that, get some close work in, some drills. Uh, I got a better stop the whistle drill. And, uh, you know, and, and start transitioning him into the T drills. So, yeah, Ruger. You just want to lick me, really? Um, so yeah, now there's another subject of interest that I want to get into and it's my training program, which I personally feel like I've been doing all wrong. So let me go grab another uh, beer real quick and I'll get back to this. Get down. Come on. Hang on guys. So, what I am drinking, what I am drinking is a Night on Ponce IPA, uh, given to me by my best friend Joshua Same, who was in the last podcast. They gave me an awesome surprise early birthday last night. So, yeah, I'm still coming, coming, coming back off of that. It was a good time. So that's that's what we're drinking for the podcast right now. Uh, so yeah, man. I want to talk about my training program, and we're gonna switch the game up a little bit. Uh, I was using the Wild Rose uh, way, the training method for that, which is great. Don't get me wrong. This ain't no what's better, what's worse podcast. This ain't that. Um, I want to reiterate that this is just a journal about my experiences. And, you know, I'm not right. I'm not wrong. I'm not a pro trainer. I'm not none of that. I'm an amateur trainer with a hell of a lot of passion and drive for what I do. So... Um, I was using the Wild Rose Way, and I, I absolutely love the book. Um, love it to death, and really, 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 really would uh, take some of the drills and things like that that are discussed in it, and I'm still going to use them. But what I found different is that the, the British Labradors that, you know, are so... are beginning to be more and more popular from what I'm hearing. Uh, my dog is not that dog. And I think a buddy of mine uh, who also owns a kennel, he, he, he started telling me that a, a while back and I didn't, I don't think I fully comprehended it, but I don't have a British Labrador. I have an American Labrador and what I'm thinking the difference is, is that the amount of energy and drive 
uh, that go into it. Well, the standards are totally different. Now, mind you, I love watching some British field, you know, British uh, gun dog work, field trials, and things like that. But I think the standards are a bit different. Um, and I see in British labs probably a calmer, quieter dog. And in my dogs and the dogs that we have here, like I said, they it's like if you were to crank your, your, your Ram 1500 up outside and just that purring, that like when you hear that, but it's just sitting in place, that's kind of how I think about my dog. Like he just got a big motor and he waiting to go. So constant stimulation is a necessary thing. Uh, but yeah, I want to transition Ruger out of, or not transition Ruger, but transition myself from necessarily going down the Wild Rose technique, although that's where we started and it is great. Um, as as he gets older, I don't I I need to address and acknowledge the fact that I just don't have that dog. I don't have. You know, that super, super, super cool, calm and collected dog that, you know, everybody looks for when they think of a British lab. No, I, I got something a little bit different. So where I'm starting to look at and where I was advised was uh, Bill Hillman and his training program. Uh you know, he, I've been really taking some time to check out Bill Hillman's work and I'm doing some more research, but everything that I've seen so far has just been phenomenal. I mean, it has, um, there seems like a, a love and a drive for, you know, uh, teaching these dogs positive reinforcement but at the same time an understanding of you know how to properly use e-collars uh and i just feel like the training techniques are a little bit more relevant for what i'm using uh and and the type of dog that i have now the thing is every trainer is different y'all every trainer is totally different you have to find the one that works best for your dog um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm the one that likes to do a lot of research. I'm always watching videos. I'm always doing this. And Bill Hillman, uh, has been recently the, uh, the guy that I'm resorting to. Also, Freddie King. Freddie King is good too. Um, he was actually recommended to me by Melanie, uh, Ruger's, Ruger's breeder. Both of them, Bill Hillman and uh, Freddie King, all have... Get down, Ruger. Get down. Get down. Thank you. Uh, both have YouTube channels, and both are very, very informative. I think for the for what I'm looking for, I, com I, I use a combination of the two. Now... Like I said, with Wild Rose, I'm still going to use the book because there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of good stuff in there that, uh, you know, I feel like I could 
add to my knowledge base. As a trainer, there are going to be so many people telling you so many different things, how to do this, how to do that. Everybody's style is different. I think what makes a good trainer themselves, what I'm trying to be is my dream to be what I would consider a good trainer, which is a very high standard, and I'm not there yet. Um, it's about taking these techniques, learning them, and applying them, and implementing them in a way in your own way, the best way that works for that dog. So I can only say that for the people that are, you know, listening to me and, and may find some value in what it is that I do, uh, my technique, I'm going to switch my game up and go ahead and move to Bill Hillman's, uh, you know, program. That's kind of where I am now. Uh, I've been looking at Freddie King and, and seeing how he does stuff, and I really, really like it. But I think the biggest thing is Ruger move. Stop being clingy, dog. Come here. Good. Just stop being clingy. We're recording the podcast. He like to be all up in my face while we're recording the podcast. If you could talk, I'll let you get on here, buddy. So... I'm going to, like I said, do more of a Bill Hillman, Freddie King type of approach with some wild rose sprinkle on top. And, and again, that's how you get that community. I would have never known how effective these programs were had I not just asked around. Um, so, I mean, the long and short of it, man. I just really want to be grateful and express my gratitude to all the, the people that were able to just fellowship and bond over dogs with me. Uh, there, I, I don't remember everybody's names from the, uh, from the club because I'm new, but I do know that Shane Drake introduced me to, uh, you know, Rob and Beth, and they've been nothing but phenomenal ever since. And I also got a bunch of folks to talk to and blab about dogs and all, all, all kinds of stuff like that. So, you know, when we talk about the aspect of a community, that's all hunting is, man. You know, I got my community. It's just me and my dog. At the end of the day, the world could freaking fall in on itself, and it's just going to be me and my dog out there hunting. But now that I know I don't have to do that, it's even better. So um, what I'm going to be working on this week coming up, I got a couple of things I need to knock out that are really pressing, but I'm going to work on those close three-handed casting drills, like the, the ones where you work 10 to 15 yards and then also polish up his center line drills and start working on whistle sits. So we got some work cut out for us, but it seems closer than ever now. And that's what you want. Um, you know, I'm the gundog world is so new to me. I'm meeting so many people and trying to clarify what goals that I'm trying to get out of this. And I'm starting to see, okay, this is what I want. You know, it takes exposure. 
just like it takes exposure for these dogs to hunt. I was talking to one of the guys there, uh, and, you know, getting Ruger on a hunt, that wasn't hard. That that part wasn't hard because the genetics and the instinct and the drive lined up. That was there. But what's hard is trying to get him to do pattern blinds and double T drills and this. And, but, but it gives us something to work towards, especially during the offseason. So, you know, I just kind of want to be mindful and appreciative of the space that I was put in beforehand um yeah so ruger i'm trying to get him in a in a hunt test uh by march 10th march 10th and 11th are the dates i want to do is you know of course way sooner than that as far as registration fees and things like that but guys on a personal level i'm here like i'm i'm at the front gates of these tests now i'm at the front gates of accomplishing the gun dog and hunting dog uh dreams that i've had and i just really appreciate it i also appreciate having a community of people that can help me out with my goals and if i have something valuable to them i can do the same so yeah that is my my spiel uh pretty soon you guys will be seeing some more you know footage and documentation and this and that um, I want to go ahead and start expanding, you know, my efforts with the gun dog notebook. So you, you guys will be kind of, you know, hearing about that every so often too. But, uh, yeah, man, this ain't nothing but a good time. This hunt test season. I'm, I'm just as motivated about that as I am getting out there for a hunt again. Cause there's so much more to learn. So, anywho, uh, my birthday's coming up, February 20th. Like I said, I had an early birthday party last night. So, if uh, you guys want to buy me another Labrador, feel free. I, I prefer yellow. Hell of a hunting drive, all right? All right, guys. Well, again, this is the Gundog Notebook. This is episode 11. And uh, I hope you guys got something out of it. If not, there will be more to come. Uh, and we can, we, can, we can always sit and chop it up about dogs. So please hit me up. I'm looking for new viewers, new listeners, new subscribers and contributors. If you just do that, let's do it, guys. Don't be shamed. So anywho, uh, that's my spiel. I had a good time yesterday, Saturday, I guess is the correct term, Saturday, uh, you know, getting things going and, and all of that and just kind of getting that experience out there and seeing what my dog is really capable of down the road. So, yeah, keep, keep, keep your eyes open, guys. That's all I can say. Keep your guys open. We love these guys as much as they love us, so we got to make sure. All right? All right, guys. This is the Gun Dog Notebook, episode 11. Until next time, I'll holla.